text for the sermon this morning is taken from Proverbs 9, the 10th verse, which reads as follows, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. These are the wise principles that you need to live by. 
as a child of God. And of course the question is, what is wisdom? What is true wisdom? Well, wisdom is the ability to use the principles that are laid out in God's Word in such a way that you can respond appropriately to circumstances in life. But then we have to ask another question, how do you get that wisdom? You can't just use individual proverbs found in this book and just apply them to every situation the way you stick the coin into a slot machine and hope for the right result. The proverb is not just simply the right answer to a specific situation. You can't just quote one of the proverbs verbatim and then say, there's your answer. So again, how do we get wisdom? Because the father in this in these chapters is, is telling his son, get wisdom, get insight. And how do we do that? And what does that mean? Because learning and knowledge is not the same as wisdom, is it? You can have a university degree and have very little wisdom. You can have a lot of knowledge, but very little wisdom. So where are we going to get that wisdom? Well, our text says that the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. If you want to be wise, then you have to start by knowing the Lord and fearing Him. How often do we talk about fearing the Lord? Certainly unbelievers don't want to hear about the fear of the Lord, do they? But what about us? Are, are we... Are we perhaps uncomfortable with that phrase as well? After all, it's a lot more comfortable talking about the love of God and the grace of God. We would much rather hear about the compassion and mercy of God. Isn't that what we really want to know about Him? But our text tells us that the very beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. And that's not just an Old Testament doctrine. The Lord Jesus also spoke about the fear of the Lord in Matthew chapter 10. He said to his followers, Do not fear those who kill the body, that cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I also will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. So it's obvious from these words, we can fear the Lord in two ways. If you are an unbeliever, you must fear the Lord because he can throw you into hell. But if you are a believer, you do not need that kind of fear. So what does it mean then? That the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Well, first of all, let's be clear that fearing the Lord is a positive thing. Remember what Paul writes in Philippians 2. You are to work out your own salvation. The salvation that he has given you, you are to work that out with fear and trembling. That's a positive thing in the life of a disciple of Christ. And why is that? Well, it's very simply, it's because the Lord is God. It's, about, it's because who He is. 
Do you ever have that, that thought when you, when you are praying, for example? Or when you come to church, you realize that when you pray that you are speaking to God, the almighty and sovereign creator of heaven and earth who holds your life in his hands. Do you have a sense of fear and awe when you confess your sins to him? And when you worship him? Does it make you tremble in awe that you, a mere created being, may speak to your creator? And are you filled with awe that even though he is holy, 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 that he condescends to speak to you and make himself known to you? And he even invites you to call him your Father in heaven. Does that make you tremble? If that doesn't teach you to fear the Lord, then what will? And what about his grace? Does his grace not make you tremble? Does that not fill you with awe? Because what does that include? Grace means that the Son of God came down to this earth. It means that Jesus, the divine Son of God, entered this sin-filled world. And he shared our lives in all the dirt and the muck and the disease that we brought into this world through our sin. Think of the words of the hymn, Amazing Grace. Twas grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieve. Yet both of these things are true, aren't they? When you know yourself to be a wretched sinner, yet you may appear before God in Christ. Does that not fill you with fear and awe? But you do not have to fear his condemnation when you are in Christ. Does it dawn on you that your Father in Heaven is more concerned with you than you are for yourself? That His love for you is far greater than your love for yourself? That His care for you is far greater than your care for yourself? He loves you so much that He takes you to Himself. He's willing to let His Son die for you and adopt you as His child. Isn't there a huge wow factor in this? A sense of overwhelming awe. To know the fear of the Lord something so precious that it means more than anything else to you than anything else in the world. The love and favor of the Father in heaven shines upon you. But to know the fear of the Lord is to know His grace and His favor. And it's to have that need answered, that need to have communion. <coughs> 
need to have that, that empty space in your heart filled by knowing God. And to fear the Lord is to know that you live in His presence every day. That you belong. You belong to your Redeemer and your faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. And the question, of course, is now how does that show up in your life? Where is the evidence that you fear the Lord? Well, we can read through the book of Proverbs and we can apply principles we learn there. That's a simple answer, of course, but we can take a few examples from the book of Proverbs. One of the things that marks the disciple of Christ is that he or she is a person of integrity. The fear of the Lord creates integrity in our lives. We don't live a double life. Proverbs 14, verse 27 tells us that the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life so that one may turn away from the snares of death. So when we're fully conscious of God's grace in our life, we know that we live in His presence of this holy God every day. And when you are aware of living in His presence, and you have this awareness in you, then you cannot help but becoming more and more in tune in your thoughts and actions to what His Word tells you about how you ought to live. Like the author of Psalm 1 puts delight in God's law and meditate on it. And then you don't just live that way when other people are looking. But even when God is the only one who sees what you're doing. Furthermore, to fear the Lord is to love your neighbor. The two cannot be separated. The Apostle John writes, anyone who says he loves the Lord and hates his brother is a liar and the truth is not in him. And it's not good enough to say, well, I don't hate my brother. I don't hate my neighbor. Not hate someone means more than not doing them harm. It means to do them good. And that starts at home. How do you treat your husband? How do you treat your wife, your children, and your parents? When you read through the book of Proverbs, you'll notice, notice how often this book addresses family relationships. Do we live with integrity at home? Do we put others first? Do you lose your temper the minute things don't go the way you want? Or when your schedule is thrown out of whack? In other words, are you a humble follower of Christ?
others don't treat us the way we think they should be treating us, we're easily upset and by perceived insults, we get upset when we feel misunderstood, we get angry when people don't appreciate our efforts, don't my kids understand how much it takes to clean the house every week? Can't my husband tell that I'm tired and worn out? Why doesn't my wife pay more attention to me? And then we become discontent and angry. And then bitterness can creep into our lives and we end up being grumpy people. But if you know the Lord and have the fear of the Lord in your heart, then you know you don't have the right to act this way. Think about it this way. Does the Lord Jesus treat you that way? Do you not tremble knowing that he died for you? Do you not tremble knowing that he died for your husband and for your wife and your children and your parents and your siblings and your brothers and sisters in the Lord? Do you not tremble when you consider that he was nailed to the cross for your sins, but also for theirs? And that should make us humble. That should dictate how we live with our neighbor. The humble follower of Christ is one who fears the Lord, and that means that you realize how dependent you are on God. And if you know that, then you will also be humble before your neighbor. The person who knows the Lord speaks very little of him or herself. The wise person listens. The fool is a man of many words. Too many words. But the one who fears the Lord is one who learns to be humble and content in life. Contentment. Proverbs 15, verse 16 and 18. Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble with it. Better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a fattened fox and hatred with it. A hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger quiets contention. How many of us are content with just a simple meal? Proverbs tells us that with great treasure also comes great trouble, because then there's more to be anxious about, isn't there? And if you don't fear the Lord, then you will never have enough. But you live, when you live in the presence of God, then everything else becomes a bonus. And again, discontent leads to bitterness, doesn't it? The one who does not fear the Lord is one who is not content with a little treasure, with a simple meal of herbs. And such a person who is discontent can't live without more, can't live without the fattened ox, and easily becomes angry and bitter. Thinking that he deserves more, deserves better, that someone else obviously has the better deal. Maybe you know people like that. They're always thinking that someone else has it better than they do. Why do I have to work for a wage my whole life? Well, my neighbor has his own business and a cottage by the lake. 
I deserve better than this. And you can think of more examples, I'm sure. When you become discontent and jealous of others, can you even begrudge other people their joys and their gifts? Perhaps you don't even want to congratulate them when something good happens to them. If you do not know the Lord and if you do not know your Savior, then you cannot have the fear of the Lord in your heart. And when there is no room for the fear of the Lord in your heart, well, then you're going to fill it up with something else. With jealousy and discontent and bitterness and envy. Instead of living in the fear of the Lord, you will end up living with the fear of not getting what you want or what you think you deserve. But again, if you have the fear of the Lord, then everything else becomes a bonus. If you don't have the fear of the Lord, nothing will ever be enough, and you will never be satisfied. One more thing I would like to mention about the man or the woman or the boy or the girl who fears the Lord. I mean, the fear of the Lord is what transforms ourself, first of all, in our own life, but also our relationships. In Proverbs 14, we read, In the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence, and his children will have a refuge. So parents who live in the fear of the Lord, live in the presence of God, their children will have a refuge. If children know that, that dad and mom fear the Lord, that they are people of integrity, that they are humble, that they will listen to their children and not simply come with judgmentalism or condemnation when their children make mistakes, or when they know that they're that our mom are willing to walk beside them and with them and help them, then those children know that they have a refuge with dad and mom. And that's because parents like that imitate and image the Lord Jesus Christ. And then those children will also know what it's like to seek refuge in the Lord. And that's what we all need, don't we? And we need to learn that, to seek refuge in the Lord. To know the Lord is to seek refuge in Him to seek refuge in his Son. To fear the Lord is to know and love the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the wisdom from God. The Bible tells us that even as a young lad, he grew in wisdom. And he lived with only one goal in mind, and that was to please his Father in heaven. And by grace, through faith in Christ, we may know that his perfect obedience and his wisdom covers our disobedience and our foolishness. On the cross, he paid for our lack of integrity and our lack of humility for the many times that we mess up our relationships. And by faith, all our misdeeds are covered in his precious blood. So to be truly wise, to live in the fear of the Lord is to know the Lord Jesus Christ. And to believe in Him and to trust His sacrifice for your life. It is to know that you belong to Him, that He is your only refuge in life and in death. Only, we only find that in Him, in our Lord Jesus Christ.
And you might ask, well, how am I going to do this in my life? How can I have this? How can I have this presence of the Lord in my life and live in the love of Christ? How can I begin to live in the fear of the Lord and, and do that increasingly? How can I continue to live in the fear of the Lord? Well, brothers and sisters, boys and girls, we can only do that through the power of the Holy Spirit and prayer. In Galatians 5, the Apostle Paul tells us that we must walk with the Spirit. We must be led by the Spirit and live by the Spirit. He repeats that several times. To walk in step with the Spirit. And how do we do that? We do that by using the tools and the gifts that God has used, given us. His Word and the gift of prayer. And when we are led by the Spirit, we can also begin to bear the fruit of the Spirit. Increasingly, living with love and joy and peace patience and kindness and goodness. When you read through Proverbs, you find this fruit of the Spirit reflected in the principles given by the author of this book. The principles in Proverbs give us a picture of what it looks like to walk in step with the Spirit. And Paul says, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit, let us not become conceited, provoking one another one Living by the Spirit that means learning to live in complete dependence upon God. Living in wisdom means learning to do the right thing at the right time, how to be quiet at the right time, how to speak at the right time. But we can only do this when we are governed by the Spirit of God. May that be our goal, brothers and sisters. But we trust this Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, to constantly bring us into the presence of our Father, so that we are always aware that we live in His presence, and that He loves us, He died for us, that He cares for us. Let us make that our commitment. Amen.